Radio. I'm your guest host, James Evan Pilato. I'm from MediaMonarchy.com, the host and webmaster of the site and show. This is my first of three guest host slots for the one and only hardest working man in alternative media, James Corbett, while he is on vacation for the remainder of the month of May. And in this episode, this is generally where we cover our Food World Order issues. FoodWorldOrder.com being one of the sites in the media monarchy kingdom devoted exclusively to food, health, and the environment issues. And I hope to do some element of these three episodes related to my backyard. And hopefully, as we discuss all these stories, we know that nothing is exclusive to where you are. Just as we see collapse around the world isn't exclusive to Greece or the United States. There is a plan being carried out systematically all around. So what's happening in my backyard may very well be happening in your backyard, my friend. So hopefully in these three episodes, we will have a, a local element. And tonight, coming up in, in the second segment, we're going to have someone on from foodandwaterwatch.org to discuss the situation here in Oregon concerning our water and concerning Nestle. Now, I believe I've made reference to that on some of our recent episodes. So we're going to get into that and so many other things in the world of food, environment, and health. And one of the bigger stories, at least in the West today, my friends, is is good news if you are a heroic coffee drinker such as myself. But the Washington Post calls it coffee, lies, and immortality. Every few months, like clockwork, scientists emerge from their lair to inform us that we have been doing, to inform us that something we have been doing for years will either kill us or make us live forever. According to a recent study in the New England Journal of Medicine, coffee extends your life. Drink six or more cups a day and you have a 10% lower risk of death if you're a man and 15% lower if you are a woman or so the study, study based on self-reported coffee consumption claims. I love coffee. I drink so much that if this study is to be believed, I am functionally immortal. Now, we'd also like to call attention, and there are numerous, numerous, numerous articles concerning this, but isn't it funny how the Washington Post will, in one case, say, oh, you know, the scientists, they'll emerge from their lair and, and deem something. So when they want to poo-poo it, they'll do it in a tongue-in-cheek way and say, oh, sure, we'll live forever. But when it conforms to the agenda, they're all about the scientific dictatorship and people in lab coats and costumes who have hidden knowledge away, occulted it, if you will. Well, then they're correct. Trust the scientific dictatorship. This is the selective enforcement that we see in the corporate-controlled media, and that's one of the main focuses, I think, of media monarchy and probably so many others in the alternative media. And I'm so stoked to be associated with James Corbett. Tomorrow night we've got Richard Grove of TragedyAndHope.com co-hosting, or rather guest-hosting this show. And we see it all around, and we hopefully try and expose the false left-and-right game, my friends. So once again, my name is James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I am filling in for James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, who's taken a much-needed vacation for the rest of the very merry month of May. And coming up in our next segment, we're going to have Julia DeGraw on from FoodAndWaterWatch.org, and we're going to discuss all the situations concerning 
Nestle and Governor John Kitzhaber of Oregon and the Water Board and the Fish and Wildlife and all the other health, food, and environment issues, my friends, that, again, as we see, it's it's not going to be exclusive to my backyard. Hopefully this will let you see what's maybe going on in your backyard and we'll look at solutions for what to do. This is Corporate Report Radio. My friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. My name is James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I'm your guest host filling in for the hardest working man in alternative media, James Corbett, while he takes a much-needed vacation. And long-time listeners will know that Thursday night is where we order off the menu from FoodWorldOrder.com. And we are so excited to have on the line a representative from an organization called FoodAndWaterWatch.org. Her name is Julia DeGraw. Julia, thanks so much for coming on to discuss the Nestle Oregon issue. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. So first, I, I would just maybe like for you to get into you know, your, your background, if you're from the Pacific Northwest, and, and how you got involved in, in Food and Water Watch. Yeah, so I'm actually, I am from the Northwest. I grew up uh, just outside the Portland area. Um, and I have been, you know, a lifelong um, environmentalist and, and, you know, someone who is always, compare, uh, you know, concerned about um, issues concerning food and water and our, uh, you know, those essential resources that are, think, frankly, constantly a threat. Um, and I uh, was really lucky that I was able to find a full-time organizing position for Food and Water Watch, which, which is a consumer advocacy group um, which I think is a really important distinction to make. Uh, we're not an environmental group. We often get lumped into that category, but we actually work on these issues first and foremost because food and water are, you know, the most essential things to, you know, our survival on the planet, and we need to make sure that everybody has access to clean, uh, safe, affordable food and safe public water systems that are not controlled by corporate corporations. So... I was particularly excited to get to work for an organization that um, was taking on issues near and dear to my heart um, with the, the ultimate goal of doing what's best for people. Because honestly, if you have systems that are doing food right and systems that are you know, providing water well and in the right way, you're going to be protecting the environment as well. Um, but I, I kind of like this approach, and that's why I'm excited to be working for Food and Water Watch. And although they... We are a national group based in um, D.C. We have satellite offices throughout the country, and um, I was uh, excited to have the chance to um, work on regional and local issues um, as the Northwest representative. Like so many of these issues, I, I really learn about it from from my girlfriend. I hear about these issues from her, and and she's she puts it in my ear. So she was mm-hmm. the first several months ago to talk about Nestle wants Oregon water. And I knew that that was an important issue, and it kept creeping up, and it kept kind of returning. And as it approached, I knew, oh, I, I worried we were going to miss the opportunity to even you know, discuss it on the, on the website and radio show. So 
give folks the the brief rundown on on what's going down here. Yeah, and and, and brief is sometimes challenging on this issue. Um, so I'll try to give the the, the quick and dirty uh, description of the problem. Um, Nestle Corporation is, uh, is one of the leading water bottlers in the world, and they also have one of the worst track records in America of preying on rural communities that have been hit with difficult economic times and overpromising on jobs and and uh, and and, and uh, underreporting the potential environmental impacts and and often have an incredibly disastrous effect on local water tables once they open up shops. So what we've learned um, is that it's quite possible, it's more possible to stop a water bottling facility from being built than it is to, you know, shut one down. And if you were to look at a map of the United States of America, Nestle doesn't have any water bottling operations anywhere in the northwest states. Um, which is pretty incredible. Um, but they are trying to break into the Northwest. They got a foothold in the town of Cascade Locks, Oregon, which is in the scenic Columbia River Gorge. Um, if people are familiar at all with the Northwest, uh, between, uh, it's just about 45 minutes, an hour or so east of Portland, um, right on the banks of the, you know, beautiful Columbia River. Uh, so what's going on in this particular incident is that Nestle wants to bottle spring water, um, which they can market for more money, and that's why it makes sense for them economically to open up shops kind of off the beaten path like that because they can charge more money um, for spring water. And in the Northwest, that spring water would be bottled under their Arrowhead brand. That's actually a Nestle product. Um, and in this case, the spring water that they wish to bottle is used by a state agency, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, um, for a fish hatchery. So they have to go through a complicated water exchange process. It has to be approved by yet another state agency, the Water Resources Department, before this whole, you know, crazy process can move forward where Nestle would bottle spring water. So it's a really unique case in which we have two state agencies who are supposed to work for the citizens of Oregon that are potentially going to go through a process that would lead to a giveaway of public state water resources that are owned by every Oregonian. So it's just unique situation right now where it's the state versus Nestle, uh, and that's not normally how it goes. It's usually a small community fighting Nestle, but we're lucky in this situation that it's Oregon's water and we all have a say. Uh, and so we are asking the governor, Governor Kip Hopper of Oregon, to step in and tell the state agency, um, especially the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, to just pull out of that entire water exchange process entirely. They are voluntarily involved in that water exchange, and they can pull out at any time, and uh, they will definitely do so at the prodding of their boss. And so that's why we've been running a campaign for, well, since the election, to get Governor Kitzhofer to um, put a stop to this project. And we did just, we just had our primary election here in Oregon this, this past Tuesday on the 15th. And I, I, I sure wish there were already a, a ballot measure on there discussing this. And, you know, sometimes politics, the, sh- the show of politics gets in the way of what's, you know, really kind of going on, on, on the ground. So hopefully with our, our kind of primary and, and all of this out of the way, at least for a little bit and at least, you know, narrowed down, Hopefully, this can start to get get more attention. So, would contacting Kitsaber and the Fish and Wildlife be be the best way to to begin? Yeah, there's actually a lot of ways. Well, and the thing is, this campaign has been going on for over three years at this point. We started out 
um, under Governor Kulongoski, uh when this project started. Um, and, yes, one of the best things a person can do right now is uh, send a letter to the governor asking him to stop the Nessie water bottling facility, um, try to make it personal, make it your own story. Um, you can visit, we have a blog that kind of gives you an idea of um, more background on the story and can give you some talking point ideas, but really the more you make the message your own, the more powerful it is. Um, and then calling his office, too, like literally just calling and letting him know what you think is, is a powerful thing to do as well. Um, I, there is an update um, from the governor's office that, that came out recently, um, which is not the best news, but it frankly is, is soaking the, the fires in the, uh, the coalition that is just fighting this process for moving forward. It's the Keep Nestle Out of the Gorge Coalition, and it's the combination of groups, including uh, a union, um, Oregon AFSCME is the union that signed on, and uh, conservation groups, uh, as well as the religious community. We have a few religious groups signed on, and Physicians for Social Responsibility. There's such a really diverse coalition of groups that are fighting this, and we know that over 30,000 Oregonians have sent in their comments already asking the governor to stop this project from moving forward, yet uh, his staff has publicly stated that his intention is to you know, not take a stance on the issue, and we are here and we are organizing to demonstrate and to show him that not taking a stance is the same as standing with Nestle. And, you know, he stands with Nestle or he stands with Oregonians, and, and it's really time to up the pressure on, on the governor uh, to force him to take an actual stand and not just try to abdicate and defer to the state agencies who ultimately answer to him. Exactly. So adding to that list, adding to that, you know, Melee, as people crying out, is only going to help. But if you're in Oregon, um, I really do recommend that you sign up. Uh, you sign a Food and Water Watch petition, which you can find um, both on our website, although an easier way to find how, out how to take action on this is by going to our blog, which is keepsnestleout.wordpress.com. And there's a Take Action page. And if you sign the petition, we will send you emails keeping up to date on all the actions that you can be taking. And coming uh, coming up in June on the 26th, we're going to be having a big rally in Portland. It's the first time that we've really gone out in the streets and called out the governor on his um, incredibly weak stance on this important issue, you know, and, and we just need to show him that the no stance is not an option. One of the latest bits I can find, May 7th, Kitzhaber declines to take sides in Nestle bottle plant protests. Kitzhaber announced last week that he would not take a position on the protest against the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife's water access request for a proposed $50 million Nestle Corporation water bottling plant, as reported by Hood River News. There is, so there is a, a June 26th coming up? Yeah, June 26th, uh, we <laughs> We're, we're just starting to do the outreach for this, so it's very new news as of today. But, yes, on June 26th, um, there will be a day of action um, at Terry Shonk Plaza at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Portland. And we're looking to get, you know, as many people as we can, hundreds of people in the square. Um, we have guest speakers lined up as well, and it's, it's definitely um, it's, it's some, some fun street theater. So, like, there's definitely a chance for people to get really involved, and uh, we will obviously be inviting the press to come to that event as well to really publicly call out the governor and say, you know, you can't just quietly claim you're going to not take a stance on an issue that, you know, you've heard from, you know, 
you've gotten a request from over 30,000 Oregonians to say no to Nestle. You, he's got the political backing. He needs to make the right decision. And um, I'm sure he doesn't want to appear uh, pro-Nestle. So, I mean, this is definitely like, you know, those are your options. Either you're with Nestle or you're with Oregonians, and you don't get to um, claim neutrality on this issue. There's no such thing as neutral, and if you're the governor in this situation. All right, we're going to take one more break. Stick around for the second segment. Julia DeGraw of foodandwaterwatch.org discussing an issue central to Oregon right here. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. My name is James Evangelato of MediaMonarchy.com, guest hosting for James Corbett while he is on a much-needed vacation. And we've got one more segment with Julia DeGraw of FoodAndWaterWatch.org. Coalition protests decision to transfer public water to Nestle Waters, North America. That is one press release that you can find that we will provide for you in the show notes of this episode that goes right to FoodAndWaterWatch.org. And Julia, I'm, in our first segment, I'm glad you mentioned that you guys basically aren't sort of what we worry about sometimes here as the sort of foundation-funded organizations, and you wonder actually kind of who's funding who and what agendas are actually behind things. But as you said, there's a broad-based coalition of when you have, you know, environmentalists and religious groups, I think when those kind of groups and all the others can, can get together, we can really actually, you know, make make some change, can't we? I mean, like, you know, this argument that, um, well, we need them to come into town for the jobs. I mean, we're talking about less than 50 jobs. Mm-hmm. More realistically than what they're promising, we're talking probably something closer to 20 to 25 jobs. And, and you know, that's really not worth the trade-off for losing control of the vital public resource, and especially to a company that can't be trusted to um, to do what's best for the community. Um and I do want to put out there, I mean, and also, I mean, I would want to put out there uh, up front, the main reason my Food and Water Watch works on um, water issues is because water is a human right. It is a common resource, and it should not be owned or bought and sold by corporations. It is not for profit. And um, we think that our water systems need to be maintained as public municipalities, and the bottle of water is never going to be uh, okay, you know, it's, as long as the water is a common resource, you cannot be dividing it as a commodity at the same time. You can't have it both ways. So um, we really work on this from that perspective. Um, it, it is, you know, there are environmental issues that are important, important and valid, and there are other concerns. But if there was no environmental impact, we would be fighting this because uh, we we cannot have um, corporate control of water in the system and guarantee that we're going to be guaranteed access to fresh water. That's, that's not going to be a part of the solution. And we, re- we really see there are essentially resource wars going on, uh, you know, all around the world. And, Julia, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, I work at a grocery store, and I never mention it by name on the air. I just kind of like to keep the low profile. But it's one of our friendlier grocery stores in Oregon, and I see it on the shelves. And I'm glad you pointed out that Arrowhead is essentially owned by Nestle. We made the discovery not too long ago that, of course, oh, Sam Pellegrino, 
They're bottled by Nestle. So you can make those decisions, and, and as we say on this show, you know, the real revolution begins in, in your kitchen, in your medicine cabinet. We can just not buy bottled water, first and foremost, and especially avoid Arrowhead, San Pellegrino, any of those things that are, that are owned by Nestle, right? That's a really good point, and something I think that's really important to note is that bottled water sales are declining. And they're not going back up, and this is not just a recession issue. People figured it out. You know, there's nothing magical about spring water. They're figuring out that it's a pretty unregulated industry. Um, They're figuring out that there's issues with the plastic, even just public health issues. We're not even talking about the waste issues. Um, They can leach chemicals and so on and so forth. Uh, So we actually have at Food and Water Watch a campaign called Take Back the Tap, and that's exactly what we're doing is you can't just, I mean, obviously, we want to stop the development of the worst kinds of water bottling facilities with our limited resources, but something else we do with our limited resources is build this huge movement nationally, um, getting college campuses to ban bottled water. Multnomah County actually passed to take back the cap resolution in which they're not going to use taxpayers' money on purchasing bottled water anymore. So, yeah, we definitely need to be um, voting with our dollars here. Like, we need to de- decrease, you know, demand. You know, this is a supply and demand world, right? Uh, and, and something that I find really inspiring is that the largest decline in bottled water sales for Nestle has been from their Arrowhead brand. People in the West, that's the Western regional brand, people in the West um, are, are changing quicker than anywhere else in the country in their bottled water practices. They're not buying it as much. So, uh, you know, we're, we're figuring it out and we just need to continue having these conversations with people because as soon as they think about how ridiculous it is to pay 5,000 times the price of tap water uh, to drink something that's not very regulated uh, and that's in a plastic bottle, they don't go out and buy a clean canteen or some kind of reusable bottle and, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, as you just briefly mentioned, not even getting into the, the BPA and all of the you know personal health issues that, that you're you know putting yourself up for. I'm so glad to to get you on the line. I really appreciate it. We're going to include all all the appropriate links and and, and things in the show notes of this episode, so people can take action. Because again, it's it's not just here, it's not just there. It, it's really going on everywhere. And I feel so kind of heartened that we've seen. I think on the food arena, that's where changes have been made. I, I may not be able to stop you know the wars and the surveillance and all those things. But when people get motivated about BPA and pink slime and high fructose corn syrup and hopefully bottled water, we make we make gains. Yep, <laughs> we can change the world. We can really, and this is definitely a battle we can win. You know, Nestle doesn't have any water bottling facilities anywhere in the state, and we can keep it that way. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Julia DeGraw of foodandwaterwatch.org discussing something that's not only important to us, it's important to all of us. Water is a human right. Julia, thank you. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. My name is James Evan Pilato, your host and webmaster of MediaMonarchy.com, the real news remixed, 
And this is our first of three weeks of guest hosting Thursday nights for Corbett Report Radio. And you know, right here and right now is exactly when we would blast into our Food World Order coverage. But in these three weeks, we're going to expand and just cover food, environment, and health issues for the entirety of each Thursday episode. And I'm so glad we got Julia on the line and again, foodandwaterwatch.org will provide those links and some of the other organizations that are fighting against this. Bark Out is another one. And the latest I can find from Statesman Journal comes from this past Monday, the 14th. Opponents of a bottled water plant in the Columbia Gorge took their protest Monday afternoon to the Capitol. About two dozen children and adults displayed several banners, attached to which were more than a thousand pieces of recycled material fashioned into origami. Then they delivered the rolled-up banners to Oregon Governor John Kitzhaber's office. The bid by Nestle Waters relies on a proposed exchange of water rights by the city of Cascade Locks and the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, which operates a fish hatchery. Protesters want Governor Kitzhaber to intervene. Local officials support the $50 million plant, which they say would create 50 permanent jobs and use up to 100 million gallons of spring water annually. The plant cannot proceed until the exchange of rights is final, and Nestle is not one of the parties. The matter is before the Oregon Department of Water Resources, which oversees water rights. An official said the agency has not decided yet how it will respond to the protests that have been filed. We worry sometimes that when moves like this are made that it's a foregone conclusion that what multinational corporations want, they will get. And the public may generate a resistance, and we may keep it up for a little while, but we're not going to be able to keep it up forever. They know that they can win the war of attrition because... They've tricked us in the shell game. They've gotten us hooked to their games, their slot machines, their drugs, their junk food, their media. And they know when they slowly start to pull it all away that everybody's going to flip out and say, no, 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 you have to give me that. I need that. I'm owed that. I deserve that. I'm entitled to that. But it's really not true. But when we see issues like this happen, we can get involved and we can actually do something. I make reference time and time again to those videos that Morgan Lesko of WikiWorldOrder.com made of calling public officials. It's really easy, it's really fun, and I need to put my webcam where my mouth is and begin to do that. So hopefully we'll put it on the record here and we'll call Governor Kitzhaber's office and we'll video it and we'll put it up on YouTube and show you just really how simple it is. There's someone whose job it is to answer the phone and listen to people complain at them. That's someone's job. You you can enjoy a, a little bit of that. Be polite. Be awesome. Be forthright. Tell your story. Give a personal angle. Just as Julia DeGraw of foodandwaterwatch.org was discussing. Coalition protest decision to transfer public water to Nestle Waters North America. Reading from a recent press release on foodandwaterwatch.org. At a press conference today, Bark and Food and Water Watch, members of the Keep Nestle Out of the Gorge Coalition, announced that they are appealing the Oregon Water Resources Department's approval of permit applications that moved Nestle one key step closer to bottling Oregon's water. 
The two permits must be approved by the Oregon Water Resources Department before a water exchange application can be considered that would lead to a giveaway of Oregon's public water resources for Nestle's profit. The coalition, representing labor, religious, environmental, public health, and consumer advocacy groups, maintains that this water exchange is not in the public interest. It's the state's job to safeguard Oregon's public resources, especially our precious water resources, for the benefit of all Oregonians, not multinational corporations. Allowing the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife to move forward with this water rights exchange would permit a state-owned resource to be used for a private business model that is unsustainable, said Jackie Dingfelder, Oregon State Senator for District 23. Concurring with Senator Dingfelder, Ken Allen, Executive Director of Oregon AFSCME, doesn't believe giving away Oregon's most precious resource is worth the small number of non-union jobs that Nestle is offering to bring to the state. It goes on, but again, my friends, we'll provide all the links, we'll provide all the appropriate information for you to look at this issue if you are in the Pacific Northwest. And we can see in the news today who has the most expensive gas. California, Oregon, Washington, Hawaii, and Alaska. The West Coast states. All of these things tie in. So if this is going down in Oregon, you know they're working on it in Washington and California or Idaho and God knows where else. We're going to have to look and see. What I've neglected is to give you the call-in numbers. Anybody out there wants to give a call-in live, my friends, it's 1-800-313-9443. Once again, that's 1-800-313-9443. Because we're here, we're covering Cobra Report live. We appreciate the opportunity, and, and we know we're really lucky to be associated with the fine folks in the alternative media like James Corbett and Richard Grove and Morgan Lesko and all the other amazing folks that, you know, it's 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 heartening every day. We run foodworldorder.com concerning food, environment, and health issues. And so many things are on there, and as we've been growing the site and the kingdom, we've been able to get more folks involved, and we really appreciate Adam in Nova Scotia helping post on foodworldorder.com so many issues, so many stories, so many mind-blowing, unbelievable issues going on there. We're going to cover a lot of those and get into so many of the clips when Media Monarchy returns to the airwaves tomorrow morning after one week off. And one week off really just sets you up for disaster when you come back because there's so much to go over. How You have to kind of draw the line somewhere and figure out where you have to stop and go, no, I can't add any more things. Am I going to have to, you know, oh, we're going to have to play some Donna Summer and some Chuck Brown and, and some Booker T and EMGs. All of these things just balloon and mushroom, and we try and keep it reasonable. But I'm a media-loving guy, and I love to share the information, whether that's concerning technology, religion, media, politics, economics, or food, health, and the environment. So as we mentioned this is the first of three episodes we're going to guest host for Corporate Report. And I knew that I wanted to make it a little local. So I'm glad we were able to get Food and Water Watch on to discuss the Nestle situation. One of the other local issues going on that 
makes your head spin. Portland hearing considers Hanford as hazardous waste storage site. The Washington Department of Ecology is in the process of renewing the permit for treating and storing hazardous waste at the Hanford nuclear site. That's H-A-N-F-O-R-D. The site is in southeast Washington near the Columbia River. The agency held a public hearing on the draft permit last night in Portland. Many at the hearing were concerned about nuclear waste from power plants across the country being shipped to Hanford. Jerry Pollitt is the director of the Hanford Watchdog Group, Heart of America Northwest. Quote, this permit does not have a general condition saying you cannot add any more waste to Hanford, saying you can't open a new landfill and you must not add another ounce. That's what ought to be in there, Pollitt says. Portland Mayor Sam Adams submitted a letter saying he doesn't want nuclear waste bound for Hanford to be shipped on Oregon highways. The Department of Ecology is accepting comments through the end of September. If we make it there, my friends, we see things heating up massively all around. We wonder if we're going to make it through the American spring, as so many are calling for. So, the water situation, we have that. The nuclear situation, Hanford, we we also have that. We've also discussed what's the Umatilla Chemical Weapons Depot and all the things going on there. On the one hand, I think we'd like to think here in the Pacific Northwest where we're in a dome, we're on an island, we are our own little hideaway, the, the hipster amusement park, if you will, the dream of the 90s where young people go to retire, and there is a lot of that. But a lot of it is a show, and a lot of it is given the lip service. But still, you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy a bunch of plastic crap that doesn't help you. And you're going to come to a locally owned business and complain about the prices. Oh, it's too expensive here. This plastic crap that, that we offer both things, the plastic crap and also the raw local organic things, lets you decide. You're going to go to the other place to buy your plastic crap, which I guess is all well and good. Those places are national corporations. They can sell at a lower price. That's what they do. Walmart comes into town and undercuts it. That's how they destroy the mom and pops. And the way they do it is through our own money. We go there. We give them our money. We vote with our dollars, unfortunately. And we see it time and time again. I can think back to my hometown. And I've been in Oregon coming up on seven years Born and raised West by God, Virginia boy, 28 years in West Virginia. Grew up in Fanville in the southern part of the state where the New River is. Whitewater rafting, one of the largest bridges in the world that folks like to parachute off of, and, and so much more is there. We used to have an IGA. And fortunately, at some point, it turned into a, a, a mom-and-pop place, it turned into Daniel's Market. But then the new Walmart came to town, and it was the super Walmart. It was like a grocery store. I can buy milk the same place I can buy a pair of jeans. I'm in heaven. And you turn around, hey, 
Where did Daniel's Market go? Oh, they had to close because you didn't go there. And again, it's it's hard to pitch the blame at folks who maybe you're working two jobs. Maybe they're doing as George Bush noted was uniquely American and we're working three jobs and we're all supposed to be so proud of that. Oh, that's amazing. It's a part of design. That's why this goes down. That's why these agendas work because they've got you on three different levels. Well, I'd love to start eating healthier, but I don't have the money because I have to work two jobs because the other job was shut down and shipped overseas to multinational corporations and one party's in and one party's out and I keep kind of falling into these traps and that's what's difficult. There's no, there's no one overnight process of I'm awake now. I woke up to the new world order. It's an everyday process. It starts just with the main major cracks. I've said a million times, my own first real foray into this was, hey, where are the videos of the plane hitting the Pentagon? And then you're off to the races. I'm digressing here very much, my friends, but we're essentially discussing all the things that go on in your backyard, whether your backyard is in Portland, Oregon, or Fayetteville, West Virginia, or Nova Scotia, or Canada, or Australia, or Japan, or any of those places, we all see these fundamentally important things going on. Let's glance at foodworldorder.com. It was really the second site I started in the media monarchy kingdom. I was in the middle of doing my live weekly broadcast a few years ago, and I coined on air Food World Order. And I instantly knew, oh, I like that. I made a note, wrote it down, and I got home, checked it out, and hey, of course the dot-com is available. No one's ever said, no one's put those words together, I don't think. Foodworldorder.com. You see statues everywhere to politicians and bishops, but not to cooks or market gardeners. That's a quote from British intelligence agent Eric Blair as we cap most of our websites with an Orwell quote. So many things on Food World Order that, again, as we were not here last week, we had to go to a concert. We, we were, we're media mavens here. I had to do it for work. I had to go see the drums again. We haven't done a Food World Order episode in two weeks, and, and again, we'll be returning to the airwaves with the Real News Remix tomorrow, MediaMonarchy.com, where we haven't been on as well for two weeks. So there's so much to go over, so many amazing things, so many mind-blowing things, and we've noted many, many times a lot of folks know in their gut that these things are going on, and they may even know a little bit more about what's really going on, but they back off and they stop and they don't want to dwell on it. And it's hard to argue against that. Perhaps once you see it all and the mask and scales fall from your eyes, as they say, maybe you don't need to wallow in it. I don't feel like I wallow in it. I don't feel like I wallow in the mire and the muck of all these worse things going on. Essentially, forewarned is forearmed, and I find the more you know, it does take the shock and the surprise away from these things that each day when you look at the news, for the most part, you go, oh, not a surprise there. Should have seen that one coming. Or in many cases, when you do this, you have seen it coming and you've put it on the record and said, hey, watch, I bet this will happen. Just as we noted on the most recent NewWorldNextWeek.com episode, 
Watch just a couple of weeks after the big Bilderberg meeting coming up in Chantilly, Virginia. There'll be some big presidential selection announcements as some fool will announce some other ringer running mate in the emotional con game and the interminable lengths of the U.S. American presidential elections. We see it. We follow it. I'm a good noticer, as, as we kind of joke here at home. So many things going on that I think as you learn them, it takes away the sting. And I think that's what I try and do, and I hopefully try and do a, an entertaining and edutaining type show, as KRS-One would say. Because we take so many things in, in the media monarchy work, what has always kind of informed my work, my art, my communication, my sharing, whatever you want to call it. It's always come from media. And I heard years ago when, thank God, my brother turned me on to the dead Kennedys and I heard spoken word rants from Jello Biafra. And one of the things he said has always stuck with me and I've always made it essentially the motto of media monarchy and that's don't hate the media, become the media. And that's the idea. I don't just wallow in all of it. I want to share it and put it back out there and give it and, and break down the wall and hopefully smash it all up and make it a little strange and make it a little fun so that we can all share it and that we can all learn and move and learn our way forward. We've got one more segment here on Corporate Report Radio, my friends. My name's James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. We'll be right back. my friends last segment on quarter report radio for this thursday night where we always go over foodworldorder.com issues my name is james evan Pilato, your host and webmaster of the site and show MediaMonarchy.com, the real news remixed and i invite you and implore you to check out my live radio show tomorrow morning 10 a.m pacific time on revereradio.net and a huge thanks to republic broadcasting and all of you guys out there who help spread the word about this show. My, 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 my count, this is episode 20 of these Food World Order appearances on Corporate Report Radio. And on these three weeks that we're going to guest host while James is away, we want to try and focus on local issues. So once again, foodandwaterwatch.org. Huge thanks to Julia DeGraw for coming on and discussing the Nestle bottling situation here in Oregon. Next week, it might get a lot grosser, as we might have to talk about Portland poop. But as we close out, my friends, let's glance at foodworldorder.com for some of the latest and some of the things that you'd expect to hear in some form on Media Monarchy tomorrow New executive order to eliminate GMO trade barriers. Five special interest groups that help keep marijuana illegal. Loblaws, Canada's largest grocer to remove artificial colors and flavors. How the private water industry is teaming up with ALEC. That's the American Legislative Executive Council bringing you everything from destructive environmental policies to the much-contested stand-your-ground laws in Florida. 
Big updates on the Trayvon Manson race war story, as we've seen. And again, we'll discuss that tomorrow. Feds charge more than 100 individuals, including doctors, in a $452 million Medicare fraud sweep. Yeah, the gang and the government, there's no difference, like Jane's Addiction said. And they're the legally allowed drug dealers, the big pharma industry. Oh, and wouldn't you know it, Pfizer and Merck under investigation for colluding with the Obama administration on the health care overhaul, quote-unquote. Is America's food safety system at risk for a terrorist attack? That's from theatlantic.com. Farmwars.info, based from right here in Oregon, our good friend Barbara Peterson, asks, why is a GMO hepatitis B vaccine given to newborn babies? And at Disney World's Living with the Land exhibit, teaching children about genetically modified organisms and the agriculture and the Agenda 21 movement is a fun activity for the whole family. GM crops in crisis, Roundup-resistant super weeds, and I think this would go along with, as we began the show, the note about drinking more coffee extends your life, which we noted and joked makes media monarchy immortal. But here's another one. This was also today. Both of these stories gaining a, a lot of traction, and you'll see them as the most viewed, most emailed on the sidebar of whatever media outlet you're cruising. Sun exposure lowers cancer risk. So, wait, sunbathing is good for me? No, 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 no. Exposure to the sun is good for you, my friends. We also have two massive binge and purge posts that have a ton of news and headlines and all the things for you to go explore on your own, just as everything. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a media-addled kid who loves music from southern West Virginia who moved to Oregon who loves to share all of this information with you. It's my passion. I dig it. This has been episode 20 of FoodWorldOrder.com. Huge thanks to James Corbett of CorbettReport.com for letting us guest host these shows. This is the first out of three, and we discussed the local issue here to Portland of Nestle and FoodAndWaterWatch.org. Next week, it's going to be Portland poop, I think. I appreciate it. I thank you, my friends. And as we noted from Jellyby Offred, don't hate the media, become the media. My name is James Evan Palato, your host and webmaster of MediaMonarchy.com.